Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. Well, you know, Aaron, across West Virginia, we only have a tiny handful of what I would call true craft beer bars. I mean, the kind that really work it. Ones that curate their taps, planning variety carefully, and bring in beers that you can't find everywhere else. You know, ones that have impeccably clean beer lines, use proper glassware, and have knowledgeable, well-trained staff. That's right, Charles. And here in the southern half of the state, the granddaddy of our craft beer bars and our shining star is Summit Beer Station in Huntington, West Virginia. We are pleased to have here with us today the founder and proprietor of Summit Beer Station, Jeff McKay. Jeff, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thanks, guys. Glad to be back with you. Well, Jeff, I've heard it said that if a small business makes it past the five-year threshold, that it can likely last for a generation or more. You've passed that now, and I'm curious about what you would call the keys to Summit Beer Station's success. Uh, well, I, I guess we got to lead in on some uh, uh, cliches here. I guess that's how this works when <laughs> explaining uh, uh, sure. such a milestone. But um, honestly, uh, when people ask me this question, I... I kind of fall into that uh, Gordon Ramsay, uh, John Taffer <laughs> mode. Uh, and, and honestly, I think it's just as simple as maintaining standards, having a vision for those standards, making sure that your staff are, are on the same page as you as well, uh, and, and, and just kind of maintaining and fine-tuning uh, uh, the product that you're looking to push. Uh, and, and that's been pretty successful uh, for us what, the last even almost decade now. Yeah, if you uh, count all the time you had uh, your first location and now this location, how long have you been here on uh, 9th Street? Uh, oh, you're going to make me count. <laughs> uh, well, I, so we were in our closet over at Heritage Station for about three years. So I, I remember guess, that. Yeah. It was there briefly. <laughs> so I guess we, we've been here since 2017. Is that right? Yeah. I imagine it's blown by. Yes. Well, Jeff, you've surely had some challenges that you've had to overcome keep keeping this place going and growing. So what would you call one or two of the biggest challenges or hurdles that you have had to take on in keeping Summit successful? Uh, do I answer this uh, without mentioning the pandemic? Is that, is that possible? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's true. Our, our, our biggest hurdle uh, unquestionably was, was dealing with the pandemic and um I think kind of the turning point for me and how we were to approach uh, uh, the, the very obvious uh, challenges of staying open was an, an article that uh, one of the owners of Brickstore Pub in, in Decatur, Georgia, had written for I don't know, Eater or Vice or something. And it was the, the, the gist of it was that in this moment, we need to bend and not break. We need to, right. to adapt and maybe not be so rigid in what we've always done. So uh, we immediately had to transition into a, a retail operation for, for so many months. And coming out of that and trying to ad adjust in a, a world with a global pandemic and, and hopefully now in a, a post-pandemic right. world, and we, we've kind of continued some of those things uh, uh, with leaning into uh, selling retail to go, four packs, six packs, growlers, crowlers, just exhausting every possible uh, point of sale opportunity. Sure. 
Um, and, and kind of in a more minor sense, uh, uh, one big kind of lasting um, uh, issue is trying to find product, uh, as, as crazy as that sounds. So I'm very choosy with the, the products that we serve and we we focus primarily on European beer. And of course, throughout the pandemic, it's been tough to get uh, beer off that slow boat from sure. Europe. So um, like I said, bending and not breaking, mm -hmm. adapting. I can see that as a, as a huge challenge. How about, let's get into some stories maybe. Do you have anything funny or anything interesting or any kind of an anecdote about doing business in West Virginia or about West Virginia beer culture that you would maybe want to pass along for our entertainment? Uh, uh, how, do, how do I answer this without like, <laughs> torching the, the basic governmental institutions that exist in West Virginia? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But uh, I, I, just discovering some of the quirky laws that kind of popped up over the, the, the course of the pandemic and while things were shut down, like having to include food with every single uh, uh, retail purchase to, to go was uh, yes. uh, something <laughs> bizarre to deal kind with and, 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 and uh, difficult to explain to customers. <laughs> like, yes, you do have to purchase this $5 cheese to be able to take out this <laughs> $4 crowler. Yeah, people probably thought you were just making that up to get an extra sale. Oh, I think uh, half the time when I explain uh, the, the wacky rules and regulations that people think that I'm... I'm, I'm uh, uh, sending them a line of BS, but uh, no, no, trust me, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's every bit as true. Well, and it was ever changing somewhat too. Have, I imagine from your standpoint, having to deal with the rules that yeah, and, 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 and went along with it. Yeah, and funny enough, we uh, uh, tackled a lot of that and uh, and what mm -hmm. two legislative sessions ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, just want to remind people that we are here with. Jeff McKay, the proprietor of Summit Beer Station in Huntington, West Virginia, and we're sitting out in his beer garden outside, Aaron and I. And mm -hmm. Jeff, uh, this beer garden wasn't something you started with, your outdoor area. It took a lot of work to get this put in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to tell a, a, a long story and, and hopefully a, a more brief manner, um, one of my uh, uh, bartenders from the previous location, uh, Shane Bryant, we had always dreamed of kind of turning this area into a beer garden much, much longer before we decided to move to this current location. And um, when we moved over here, that was that was the plan. Like, let's let's target this property. Let's let's try to get it. And uh, we couldn't convince the uh, property owner, uh, Senator Mike Wolfel. <laughs> uh, and it, it took some pulling some strings and, and getting together with him and kind of uh, showing him the vision that we we had for the space and, and and i guess you that would be a state senator at the west virginia legislature for yes. listeners who may not be hip with uh, who mr wolf is well a very uh, a supportive person <laughs> for us uh as of late and um good good well I, I, the only other comment that i would even have to make is that if it weren't for the pandemic that this probably wouldn't exist uh well, ha having kind of the uh the the, the urgency of adding an outdoor space, uh, uh, I, right. I think, kind of convinced uh, uh, Senator Wolfel that, yeah, uh, we, maybe we, we can help him out a little bit. Uh, and I, I think that that's, um, it's got to be a priority on any restaurant or, or, or bar owner's 
uh, uh, mind that we, we've got to, to have this outdoor space. Yeah, especially with what we dealt with. Certainly. You know, having said that, sort of back to what I originally asked about stories, I know that it's been a challenge having to, to maintain the space, keep it secure. You dealt with a, <laughs> with a lot, right? Uh, Talk about that where, a little bit. Where do I even start? Well, <laughs> um, pick, pick your favorite. Go with that. Uh, probably my favorite story that we've had out here was this was while the uh, the Olympics were, were happening and <laughs> we had somebody that I suspect stole a sign and then rather walking through the gate jumped the fence and, and kind of tore down some of our hanging baskets that were along the fence we have footage of it <laughs> uh, and, and, and uh, surprisingly enough uh, uh, I, I spoke with the gentleman, and, and we we're, we're, we're in everybody's good graces now. And I uh, I promised to <laughs> take the footage down. I promised not to to send it to anybody else. But man, we we've had uh, a little bit of, uh, of everything happen down here. Primarily the, the sign stealing, which everybody for yes. whatever reason <laughs> likes to give me a hard time about. I'm sorry. People <laughs> love people love your signs. They like to, they like to take them home, don't they? <laughs> yeah. You know you need to put a price tag on them and start selling them because uh, then maybe they'd actually pay you for what it. I, what I've thought about doing is getting um, there's these little um, hey, like a tag type yeah, deal. Like yeah, like Apple tags yeah, that you can put on back the sign. Yeah. yeah, I've also seen one where you can um, you can affix this uh, alarm to your your window, and that if somebody opens it up, the alarm goes off. Well, I could just as easily stick that on the back of a sign. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, let's get back to some of the things that make Summit Beer Station stand out in a positive way. And one thing certainly has to be your beer selection. How do you decide which beers to bring in for the first time and then which ones you bring back? Uh, that, that, that's something that I've kind of learned over the years. I, I, I think initially when we first opened, it was, it was such tough sledding trying to find beer that I, I enjoyed and I was um, content with sharing with everybody else as well. <laughs> uh, but we've, uh, we've worked with so many uh, uh, European beer importers over the years that uh, we, we've been able to kind of focus on that. And, and you know what, I, I trust a brewery that's been making the same beers for a few hundred years. Sure. Um, and I, uh, outside of that, younger breweries and, and, and West Virginia breweries, I like to give everybody a shot. Um, well, and, and I'm, I might get, uh, burned for this, but I don't, I don't like everything that, that's made in West Virginia. And sometimes we, uh, don't really well, like reach you, that point. Like uh, you uh, said, you uh, you're an international uh, beer bar here. You're not just a West Virginia or an American craft beer bar. Yeah, I, our, our focus even from from day one, and we tried our best to do this, was to focus on on Belgian and German beer. And um, and I get in arguments with people all the time that, that just because it's local doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> so I, that's just kind of how I've approached it over the years. Well, let's move away from beer selection right now and on to other kinds of operational things that kind of make a difference especially if you want to offer craft beer bar or just better beer at your restaurant or bar uh, what would be your advice maybe to um, those other restaurants that might want to upgrade a little bit what would be some operational things not beer selection but operational things that are important to beer quality well i i, mean, I think we can tie this in with, with beer selection as well in, in that it, uh, if you're taking a, a, a chance on expanding your, your draft beer 
uh, uh, options. Uh, you need to make sure that you relay that information to your staff. Uh, I, I think one of my my biggest pet peeves uh, um, is, is going to a bar or restaurant and the staff don't know anything about what's being served or offered. Yeah, right. right. Uh, so it, it, yeah. I think that's a good place to start. But in, in kind of a more macro sense, it's uh, I have to uh, reach back to what I said earlier and that maintaining standards and knowing what those standards are and uh, having a specific vision for, for what you want to offer. Uh, I think a lot of bars and restaurants get in trouble in that they try to appeal to, to everybody. Uh, and, and your your incentive isn't to appeal to everybody. Your incentive is to have a clear vision. If you, you appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. Right. So, and, and I get questions down here uh, quite frequently. Well, why is it that you only want to serve independently maybe? Or why is it that you you avoid these breweries? Well, I, never, I have a, a vision for what this place should be. And I, I, I think that people notice that they appreciate that uh, and I think that's where a lot of bar programs go wrong is mm -hmm. that if you're trying to in your mind have a complete program it's probably not <laughs> could be lacking it could be lacking and that you're mm -hmm. watering down the, the 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 entirety of the program itself uh, I think say that you're um, German restaurant. Well, you might want to focus just on German beer. Uh, you, you might, true, want, yeah, true. you might not want to uh, uh, get involved with uh, serving Peroni, uh, for instance, <laughs> or, or, or serving Dos Equis. Uh, not that those beers are uh, uh, bad by no. any stretch of means, but yeah, have a specific vision, and I, I think that helps. Okay. Well, Jeff, you're known for working very closely with beer distributors and with brewers. You push them to get the beer brands that you like to carry. Do you have any tips that you could pass along on how to be successful working with distributors and breweries? Maybe something that might help a retailer get a better craft beer selection? Yeah, I think you can look at this in a couple of different ways. Um, and I'll catch flack for this, but uh, the distributors are not my enemy. <laughs> I know that they, they really get hounded uh, um, uh, uh, from customers, but... Uh, the distributors are only as good as the, the retailers that buy from them and vice versa. So we, we've really been able to uh, establish great relationships with, with practically every wholesaler that we, uh, we work with. And uh, to go with that, uh, establish relationships with your wholesalers, establish relationships with your, your uh, um, uh, brewery reps, uh, establish relationships with, with everybody in the industry. I, I think people are so uh, hell-bent on maybe uh, trying to be a little too machismo about it and, and saying, well, we want this and we want it now. Well, the, the, the industry moves pretty slow, uh, and I'm a patient person. Uh, and uh, to, to go back to, to our focus, European beer, yeah, I have got to be patient when it comes to getting <laughs> beers back in stock. Uh, I wake up every morning wondering if I'm going to see a Gaffel Kolsch keg again, which I think we're getting some this week, actually. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but, yeah, I think establishing relationships with your suppliers is, is number one. So communication. I, I, yeah, and I, I think people sometimes see these relationships as being uh, too transactional. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm friends with everybody that uh, I, I work with, and mm -hmm. 
we don't just talk beer. Like, we, we go out to dinner. We, we go out and have drinks. We sure. hang out. We text each other. It's, it's not always business. And I, I think that some get too stuck in this transactional uh, like mode. Uh, yeah, frame uh, of mind. Yeah. Rather than being more personal. Yes, and I can understand that. And not that I'm the most personal person. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll admit that. No, but I think we do get uh, some bars and restaurants that believe or because they think, well, the beer distributors or a brewery, for instance, that self-distributes, they're out to sell their stuff, so they should be calling on me and bringing right. everything to me. And, and yeah. I don't need to go call them to find stuff or to make relations with them. They should be down here at my place mm -hmm. uh, working me and schmoozing me. And that doesn't always happen, does it? No. Well. Uh, and, and if anything, I'm, I'm looking at it in a different direction. <laughs> that, that, that They come down and see me. Hey, let's go out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's uh, let's do more than just talk about beer. Sure. Hey, the, the, uh, yeah, I eat, eat, sleep, and drink beer. But uh, uh, it doesn't have to be one sided. That's not all I am. <laughs> well, over the past couple of years, uh, we've had a number of measures adopted by the legislature that have given on premise and off premise retailers more options to be more customer friendly in their beer and wine and liquor sales. Uh, you've worked on some of these issues too, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about a few of the important measures that have really helped build a better business environment for our alcohol sales. Yeah, I, the the last house bill that we, we pushed through two sessions ago is kind of the culmination of everything that I've been pestering delegates and senators about <laughs> for the last decade. Uh, Delegate Hornbuckle probably being the uh, the main target of all this. But um, and again, that's uh, a delegate from Cabell County. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Here in the Huntington area where you're located. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, and. Uh, I, could, I almost want to refer to that bill as like an omnibus mm -hmm. uh, restaurant <laughs> bill. I think that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and uh, I think um, one good way to look at that bill is is stripping a lot of the red tape that that maybe customers didn't realize was uh, affecting them, uh, and in the sense that uh, um, you you couldn't leave Kroger with a six pack. Uh, uh, without a bag, like that is gone. Right, that is gone. <laughs> Stupid, silly things. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, home delivery, batching of cocktails, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, reducing licensing fees for a couple years to mm -hmm. give people a break. Uh, I, I, we've got a lot of work to do, but uh, that bill put us almost on par with the rest of the country, if not probably better. Yeah, and how about these uh, allowing the cities to do uh, open container stuff in their street, okay. street fairs? So the, this is this is my baby. <laughs> this is my baby. So I, I was working with uh, uh, Delegate Young. Uh, uh, I think she represents South Charleston now. At, at any rate, we I, I had chatted with her ad nauseum about. Uh, uh, trying to come up with a, a, a licensing structure to allow cities to dictate what could happen on their own property. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we came up with this idea to have a kind of shared liability license that could be spread amongst uh, um, uh, neighborhood businesses. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, and it's been successful for us in Huntington. Uh, Ninth Street Live, uh, I, I have nothing but glowing remarks about and uh, uh, the only thing that I wish we would have done is to create an annual 
uh, license to, to allow this. Oh, and, right. Yeah, and, and you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Always. Yeah, we had a lot of things to tackle in that bill, yeah. but maybe for the future, that, that's where we'll go with that bill. And for anyone that hasn't been to Huntington on a Friday night and seen that Ninth Street Live in, in the summer months especially, or I guess spring, summer, fall mm -hmm. months, uh, good weather months, it's a, it's a beauty. It's unbelievable the enthusiasm and the activity and the business and the sales that are out there. Oh, yeah. absolutely. We, uh, last year, at I, I think the peak of, of Ninth Street Live, which was around August, we were selling almost 2,000 pints of beer a night. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Love so that. that, that uh, uh, that was hell on my barbacks, <laughs> changing about 12 to 15 kegs a night, but uh, no, it was a blast. Well, as a counter to the improvements that we've seen, what would you call a few of the things that we still need to fix when it comes to alcohol, alcohol uh, laws and regulations? How, uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, <laughs> pick a couple. Pick your main points. Um, I, I, so I've been chatting with some other delegates uh, about how we improve on, on the big bill that we passed. and. Um, one of those is improving that multi-vendor license that we use for Ninth Street Live. They, that, that needs to be an annual license. We need to be able to um, annually uh, license a, a, a space of a city. Uh, it's like a city. renewal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, we're working with Huntington to um, hopefully make that happen. Uh, uh, one other big thing is, is another one of my babies in that bill is that, that temporary brew license. So the, the, a brewery can uh, apply for a permit to, to sell for, I think it's up to two days. So the, the idea is that you come to West Virginia, you, you throw a couple events, test the market, mm -hmm. uh, and, and hopefully sell a lot of beer. But um, hindsight was 2020 again on the ABV testing. A lot of these breweries aren't used to that. Most states don't require an ABV test and certainly not a certified lab analysis test. Right. So that, that's, that's been an issue. We, uh, we've run in all sorts of problems with that. Practically every brewery I've talked to that wants to utilize that temp license doesn't follow through with it because of that. Um, and and a, a, a separate issue that, that we're probably going to tackle next session is the, the issue with the um, uh, collaborations and contract mm -hmm. brewing mm -hmm. so we we've discussed this quite a bit we we feel that the the way it's currently handled is is unconstitutional basically and that uh out-of-state breweries can can sell contracted beer to to west virginia out-of-state breweries can sell collaborations to west virginia mm -hmm. but we don't allow that that freedom or that, I guess, fairness to the, the our own resident brewers. So mm -hmm. they're on unequal footing. Uh, and I we, we think and we suspect that it's unco unconstitutional in that sense. Sure. And that the everything about alcohol and liquor and wine and everything else in West Virginia operates from the standpoint that everybody is to be equal. Mm -hmm. That there's a level playing field and we don't think it's level. Well, that makes sense. You definitely can't rest on your laurels in business anymore, and you have to keep advancing. So in that vein, do you have any big upgrades or any expansions planned for Summit Beer Station here in Huntington? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, That's a long yes. <laughs> well, so I, I, I'm thinking about this. Um, I'm thinking about this in terms of, of what we've planned for like the last couple of years and that we we've always envisioned expanding to the, the storefront next to us, and, mm -hmm. and we, we've worked with 
uh, Gary Ward and, and, and Beckett Ward with trying to make that happen. Uh, but the, the, the idea was that we wanted to have a restaurant join us over there. So if you are a restaurateur... Ah, so if, you didn't want to no, obviously no, no, no. run do, the restaurant. Do not get me in the restaurant business. Gotcha, uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I keep things simple. Like, so just, just let me sell beer. <laughs> that has what has stopped maybe the progression of that project? Yeah, yeah. So we we, we don't want to piecemeal this. The, sure, the, sure. Uh, we, we want a, a restaurant partner over there. Um, and, and, and a more... Uh, uh, general sense for us we we are getting rid of most of our whiskey um, I'm, I'm tired of that scene i'm tired of uh, uh the, the chase it's just not for me anymore well that's pretty interesting i mean uh you definitely put in a nice selection of premium bourbons and other whiskeys here yeah i think at, at the height of our selection we almost had 200 different whiskeys and uh throughout the pandemic i just would walk in and see all Ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of whiskey sitting on the shelf, and, right. and thinking to myself, "Yeah, I, I could probably use this money for something better." Well, oh, the good yeah. the good thing about that is that whiskey doesn't go bad in the bottle like beer yeah, would. Yeah, you know, that's true. There for but a you, year. you see all these dusty bottles back there just <laughs> rotting away on your shelf, and you just can't wait to get rid of them. Uh, but I think we're going to use that space to start selling sandwiches and, and uh, kind of more substantial food items. I, I don't want to get into a full service restaurant. Trust right, me, right. but. Uh, we probably had more people ask about food in the last six months than we have in the previous six years. So, so yeah, your interest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let let's do another callback uh, again, uh, adapting. <laughs> yeah, an awful lot of bars and tap rooms, you know, tell me that that reason they have food is so they can keep those customers in there longer. You've been able to survive pretty much without that. I mean, I know you have some cheese plates and things, but yeah. you've not really had a, a real food menu here. Yeah, and I, I think that covered comes from my stubbornness of uh, <laughs> like just keeping things simple. Uh, I, you know, there's just too many horror stories of, of people opening up bars and restaurants and they're doing too much. Right. Like maybe your menu doesn't need to be 150 items, or, or yeah. maybe if you're a, a, a cocktail bar, you, you probably shouldn't be uh, like serving slushy drinks. Like, why? It, 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 I want to be focused with it. Uh, well, back to what I asked a little bit ago, and you spoke a little bit on moving to the storefront next door and you're looking for a restaurant here. Would that be a particular cuisine? Is that something you would decide with the person? How do you envision that? Is it their, their own restaurant? Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't think we are too picky about trying to find somebody. <laughs> I, of course, I would love to have um, uh, a a place that's open from from noon to late sure uh, and and if i have one critique of huntington is that we don't have enough uh restaurants that are open late uh, and 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 certainly on on sundays and mondays it's it's a it's a big problem for us when we have people come in and they want to eat like, ah, sorry oh guys uh <laughs> I hope you can find somewhere that's open. <laughs> so I think we're missing out on that. And that's really the, the main motivation. More for of us. the availability yeah. than the yeah. actual type of food. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, as the craft beer market progresses, I mean, we do see a lot of trends running through the, the markets. Uh, certainly, we see a big uptick in lagers and pilsners now, which is a lot of us think is wonderful. Yes. Uh, we've gone through certainly uh, several other big things like the, you know, fruited kettle sours and hazy IPAs. Do you have any thoughts on where you think the market might be going here in, in our local area? I mean, not nationally. Uh, I, when I talk to, when I talk to some of my favorite West Virginia breweries, it's always about, Hey, let's, 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 
brew a Czech Pilsner. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, yeah, we, ever, we could use a few more. Yeah, so, uh, and hopefully I'm not giving away too many secrets, but uh, I, I've talked to Sam Fonda at Weatherground a few different times about trying to do a uh, an oak-fermented uh, pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, for us, it's such an easy sell. Uh, uh, when you can tell... When you can tell a customer story about how something's made and why it's made that way, and the the cultural context of why it's made that way, you can have a connection to that customer. They can have a connection to the beer that they're drinking. They they feel like they're they're part of that experience. Whereas mm-hmm. um, when I see like, excessively fruited kettle sours, mm-hmm. like there's no cultural context other than uh, American uh, uh, excessiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way. So I, I hope that the that we, we continue to trend toward more basic, well, not necessarily basic, but old school, good, clean beers. Uh, and, and we'll continue to push that. Well, we're recording this podcast in late July. And Jeff, I know you have a big craft beer festival coming up in Huntington in August. Could you give us a little preview of this year's Rails and Ales Beer Festival? Yeah, I, we don't have too many details. <laughs> I can give you, I can give you a uh, a preview in the sense that it, it's going to be much of the same, but much that is different. Uh, <laughs> so well, that's, <laughs> that's very black and white. That, yeah, I got uh, that. Yeah, happy. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, and gray in between. Proprietary information. Is, is that how I put this? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, at, at any rate, uh, we're 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 adding a beer garden this year. Uh, it, it, it's something that we we've kind of dreamed of doing uh and and we're we're now uh, seeing that through so we're going to offer a a concert slash dd slash uh do what you will ticket that will not include a sampling cup and that you'll be able to watch music you'll be able to go to the beer garden and buy beers by the pint and that if you want to uh attend the festival but don't necessarily want to sample and you want to buy beer as you go we're going to offer that so every year we have this conversation about how can we improve, how can we improve, how do we uh, keep this from getting stale, and, and this was something that we, we held for the last four, three or four years have talked about, and we're finally going to do it this year. It's exciting. Yeah. And it's worth noting, we're going back to the original spot at, at the riverfront. You will not be in that tiny parking lot like you were last year <laughs> that was too crowded. Uh, we will have plenty of room for you to move around this year. Space to spread out. That's, yes. that's good news. Yes. Yeah, and that is the Harris Riverfront Park in downtown Huntington, right on the beautiful Ohio River. That's that August 13th? August 13th. Uh, VIP starts at 3.30. The festival itself will end by 9 o'clock. Well, that's wonderful. Charles and I have absolutely enjoyed our conversation today. Likewise. And We wish you and your business, of course, the best of luck. And thank you so much for being on West Virginia Beer Roads. Thank you. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.